You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And today, with our shiny objects. So we got a couple bows on the table, and we're going to dice them up tell everyone about what we got going on them rick's is a little cooler than mine but give you all the all the juicy deets on uh on the setup and what we got and why we use it and all that fun stuff Welcome to the Range Podcast. I'm Ricky Bruley, and with me is Jake Hollywood Iverson. Join us at the Archery Range, where we'll tell stories from the hunt, discuss technical bow shooting tactics and gear, and pick the brains of some of the most successful people to ever shoot a bow. Whether you're about to shoot that X for the win or send an arrow at a trophy buck, this podcast is for you. The Range Podcast is brought to you by Vapor Trail Archery, makers of the best bowstrings money can buy, originators of limb-driven arrow rest technology, and innovators of stokerized stabilizer systems. Welcome to The Range, I'm Ricky Bruley, and joining me as always is the eight trips a day to Home Depot, <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> Was not expecting that. <laughs> I usually try to hide that in the script from you, so it's more of a surprise, but... Yeah, tell them why you're taking eight trips a day to Home Depot. Well, we're finally moved into the house. That's awesome. I've mentioned it a couple times, but yeah, we're in. Been burning the fuel all day, every day. Burning the fuel all day, (laughs) every day. Yeah, just moving. (laughs) Not a whole lot of projects going on, but some upkeep, Mm -hmm. organizing, you know, what I want, putting up. You know, pegboard, getting the initial the dad stuff. There you go. Getting sending the in my rebates to Menards right now. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that's Time awesome. To cash in, man. Good job. Good job. <laughs> yeah, they used to do that eleven percent like twice a year, and now it just seems like they just do it all year, all the time. <laughs> I'm like, it's, I thought it was only through J- July, and yeah. I'm like, I went back there again. I'm like, it's still going. All right, hmm. cash it in, man. <laughs> cool. So this is. Uh, our episode of Shiny Objects. Thank you all for joining us. This is where we talk about what is currently grabbing our attention. What is that shiny object in our lives at this moment? 
could be a new piece of gear, a good new read, a song, an upcoming hunting trip, or in Hollywood's case, moving into his new home. In case you've been out of the loop, we are giving Shiny Objects its own episode every other week so that we can provide you, our amazing audience, with weekly content from the range. And hey, we want to hear from you too. So what is your current Shiny Object? Let us know, and we'd love to share it with the range listeners. You can shoot me an email at rick at vaportrailarchery.com or to Hollywood at uh, wood at vaportrailarchery.com. Yes, sir. And today, with our shiny objects, they can probably see on camera, we got a couple bows here. Yes, sir. Rick's is a little cooler than mine, but I mean, I still mm. like my Nexus, so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so we got a couple bows on the table, and we're going to dice them up, tell us, uh, or tell everyone about what we got going on them. Give you all the, all the juicy deets on... Uh, on the setup and what we got yeah. and why we use it and all that fun stuff. Tell you how bland I am in a way. I should have brought my arrows in here. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess I'll jump right into it. I'm uh, running a Prime Nexus 4, so 34 ATA. Got the quad cam going on. Um, I'm kind of doing a show and tell, so nice and close for everyone. Prime Nexus 4. Uh, I'm running 28 inch draw. Uh, I would usually run a 28 and a half, like on my target rig, or actually that thing might be 29 right now, but um, like it a little bit shorter for hunting purposes, I guess. Um, and then that is at 80 pounds. Um, Tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was leaving that one out there. Uh, so yeah, I run an 80 pound prime, uh, 28 inches. Um, couple different arrow setups come with that but of course the vtx strings um i don't know you can obviously see it's flow green and technically that's gunmetal but it looks like black mm. um and then yeah i've got the m1 was this the 14 m1 11 the m1 11 off the front and then blurry image over what's connecting to it uh and then a nice m18 right out the back um i like running these m1s played around with the ss1 for a little bit um i liked it but i was running a little too heavy you know doing the spot and stock stuff so mm -hmm. actually this is way lighter i think i have one ounce up front right now um and i've got a stack of let's see four got six ounces off the back um nice balance for me it's a little light still, but um, running around in the hills, I don't want it too heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets pretty old holding it that long. And yeah, you can throw it on your back, but ounces are pounds and pounds are terrible for you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> can't think of the saying right now. Um, that works. But uh, yeah, then uh, I guess if we want to go this far into depth and detail, I got a PXS peep because I'm pretty blind. So I need the glass in there for a verifier to clear up my lens or not lens but uh pins on my hha tetra max rise um that's a two pin running green and red uh who makes the peep it's the that is specialty archery yeah pxs okay. peep mm -hmm. um a little spendy but worth every bit mm -hmm. i need it on every single bow so every single one of my bows have the same peep mm -hmm. um no smaller aperture at all it's just normal pxs with the glass uh, and then of course our Gen 7X is running on this. Um, I've been running that for a couple of years now, played around with it a little bit, did some trial and error, mm. uh, 
and that worked out just fine. Um, what do you mean trial by trial and error? I was running the activation cord in different locations. Oh, right. Um, played around with the yoke a little bit. Uh, did that for a while. And it works, but I feel like not you, advised. I feel like you just did that just to um, grind my gears. And Johnny's Johnny yeah. wanted to cut it every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Then uh, what else am I missing? Um, I guess I got a small upgrade. I put stainless screws in the uh, grip. Ooh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, I did that because I don't like the rust. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've done it to the burger bolt yet, but generally I like to run stainless on it just mm-hmm. to keep it rust free for the most part. Um, yeah, and then arrow setup. Um, jump into that running a four mil axis, um, total arrow weights. I'll have to get that to you, but I think it's like four thirty five ish. Actually it might be heavier, but, uh, then I do run a FMJ setup. Um, and the four mil I'm running for like out West, just longer range, lighter arrow, uh, the FMJ setup I'm running for, uh, you know, I would say whitetail, but I'm not messing around during the middle of the season with that. So mm-hmm. last year I mainly use it for bear and then. I, whatever reason, I just use it for turkeys too. So <laughs> definitely don't need it. Um, but <laughs> blast through uh, that turkey, man. Yeah, 80 pounds and a 530 grain arrow. Uh, that's pretty much going to wreck anything mm-hmm. and everything. So <laughs> no worries there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Ask me a question if I miss something, I guess. I that's pretty much it. Um, uh, so just just out of curiosity, and this isn't, um, I know, I know why you do it and I, and I like it. I would do it too. If I had, you know, muscles as big as yours, but, uh, 80 pounds. What's your, uh, what's your why for that? I tell every customer I did it because I wanted to, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, this is basically, that was the main reason is just, I was like, well, I want to see what it's all about. I want to try it. Mm -hmm. And, um, 70 was really easy for me. Um, and I, I played around, talked to my buddy at uh, Matthews about doing it to my Halon, and he's like, well, you're going to void your warranty. I'm like, I know I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I ended up ordering this, and uh, Rick had used Prime before. Years has used Prime before. We have a couple pro staffers that have used it. I'm like, well, let's see what it's about. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I just said, let's do 80. Worst case, I drop it down to, you know, low 70s, and at least I could have 75, so it's at least, you know, comfortable. And Mm -hmm. lo and behold, I got this thing and 80 pulls like my 70 on my certain other bows. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's smooth and, and I guess jumping back a little bit, like tuning, tuning wise, it tunes just perfect. Like I don't, I guess I might be lucky with this, but I mean, almost every time I just set up dead level, uh, knock level, maybe just a hair, hair high. Mm -hmm. Um, and then dead center, center shot and, boom, bullet hole every time through paper. Yeah. Um, and you and I have talked about it. Paper is not everything, but, um, it's a good start anyway. Mm-hmm. And then jump out to the range and pull my hair out doing bear shaft tuning <laughs> for a couple days until <laughs> <laughs> it's right. Um, but I do bear shaft tune almost every time. Uh, what, whether I'm jumping from FMJ to four mil, I'm bear shaft tuning it, um, every single time. And then once I switch to, I'm also using black Hornet, um, Magnus broadheads. Um, that's not always constant. I feel like my, uh, constant is change. Mm-hmm. And for broadheads, that's a big one. Like I've jumped around to grim reaper. I used rage way back when, mm-hmm. and then, uh, 
and even in those same brands so like magnus i've used the stinger buzz cut uh for turkeys i've used the black hornet um and then grim reaper i've used the hades the micro hybrid uh the fatal steel um so i jump around a lot but mm. mainly when i'm bear shafting once i go throw that magnus on it's got a little bit bigger footprint you know it's a wider blade mm-hmm. um but that flight is the exact same of a field point it's yeah. pretty crazy um glenn blair one of the local pro staff guys he helped me a lot with bear shaft tuning and going through that and i just like my mind blew when i was actually diving deep into bear shaft tuning I'm like mm-hmm. this is nuts it's not there's no extra crap that happens when you go to shoot your broadhead is almost always right there with it yeah so it just kind of cuts out the um guesswork i mm-hmm. guess you know when you actually dial it down um yeah then uh i was gonna say the fatal steel or the fatal yeah is that yeah fatal steel mm-hmm. um with the fatal steels i'm running that for more long range uh just to keep the wind drift down and they still fly almost the exact same as the black hornets mm-hmm. um so i don't really have to worry so if i run my four mil axis with the uh, fatal steel or the black hornet i'm good either way i am running a victory outsert on those um i just like a little bit longer shoulder than what easton gives you mm-hmm. um and we get paid well but i'm not getting uh paid a house mortgage every time so i'm not buying titanium outserts. <laughs> <laughs> um and i own a house now so uh yeah i'm not buying titanium outserts, but the victory ones seem to be working well, and I just like that extra protection, like I said, with mm-hmm. having a longer shoulder on that uh, outsert versus Easton's tiny little uh, nothing outsert. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, for the most part, that's it. I am running AAE Hybrid 26s, three-fletch, left helical, um, and that's only a two-degree. I've kind of just went with two. Uh, I've played around with some harsh, like, four fives, and I've played with um, ones, straights, and turns out two just seems to fly and jive with me, and that's where I've just been running almost everything the last maybe three, could be four years now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I guess, most of my stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's anything else I'm missing. I think you kind of hit it. I think you hit every... Every bit of that, you're using the uh, the Pine Ridge Quick Stand there to hold your yes. bow. Red, white, and blue. I don't even know if they sell these anymore. <laughs> it is for sale. I just keep stealing it out of the shop. Yeah, but, uh, fourteen ninety nine. Um, if it is on our website still, but I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. I, I mean, we usually mostly we just use those for display here in the shop. I don't. I used to always have one on me, but I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I could also. I just noticed you have your button. Uh, I'm running a Stan SX3, um, and that's, I guess, what I've ran all the time. I've I've hunted with hinges before, uh, through ball HT, and then uh, accidentally ended up shooting that turkey with the uh, uh, B3 Mini BT. Um, so that's also a brass <laughs> hinge. Cool. Um, and that just happened because I reached in my pocket. He was right there grabbed out whatever release came first whatever reason i had both with and it was the brass hinge and i'm like well we're sending it so um yeah you've been shooting enough where you know yeah i mean 
I know how to work that release mm-hmm. and yeah, you definitely wouldn't want to do that going in raw, but I, <laughs> going I've hunted, raw. <laughs> I've hunted you raw dog in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've hunted plenty of times with the hinge before I've shot deer with it and it's fine. It's just, I like the, I guess the extra confidence. Well, two things. I like the confidence of, um, the button, you know, a thumb release style, uh, or th- yeah, I guess thumb button style mm-hmm. release. Mm-hmm. Um, just being able to put off a shot if you need and it's not going to super torque your bow or any you know your shot's going to still go straight for the most part mm-hmm. um and i'm saying punch in loose terms but uh <laughs> second advantage is deep winter hunts god do i love just being able to put it there and just yeah keep my hands in my muff yeah <laughs> so um yeah. i'm yeah, excited about that because this is the first time i've used a you know a button thumb button release and uh, yeah, just having the ability to just keep it attached. I, my biggest fear is that it's probably best that my release is attached to my wrist because then it's, I can't lose it. Right. I was just going to mention but that. Yep. We'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm probably going to get the, uh, I'll get the little wrist sling that attaches onto there too. Just to, just I was so just going to say come hunting season, sometimes like a couple years I've played with it where I honestly just tie like a fluorescent pink, um, piece of D loop cord around it. Yeah. So then if it drops, I mean, mm-hmm. pink is going to stand out pretty bright. Yeah. Um, but I did have that scare last year with bear hunting where I'm like, Oh God, I crawl up the tree and I'm like, I dropped my freaking release. <laughs> so yeah. I did find it, but, um, that was an hour of a hunt just wasted, you know, mm-hmm. looking all over in the trees and whatnot. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that is kind of a fear. That's the nice thing about the wrist wrist strap, you know, it's always connected, but, you know, I know another point for some people is like, well, when you cl- climb your stand, you might hit it, you know, against mm-hmm. the metal, but right. Whatever. Right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's a pretty good rundown. You got a nice setup. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I still have my prime. Um, I have the black five still. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be my backup bow. Uh, and mainly just because I just, you know, I wanted to try something new and, um, I had a friend who has been kind of hassling me to switch to a PSE for like the last three years and I've resisted and then, uh, finally shot, I think it was, oh man, I can't remember which one it was now. Um, but last summer I shot his, the Evo XF. It might've been, I, or the I can't EVL. remember, I can't remember, uh, yeah. which one, but he had 80 pound um, limbs on it and I was able to drop back. Yeah. You know, without too many problems. I mean, I, it wasn't like easy, but again, like I usually would struggle and he has a longer draw length than me too. So that adds to the struggle a little Mm -hmm. bit, but I was able to get it back and, and I was just like, Oh man, I'm like, dang it. You know? And then I think I resisted him for another year and then I was like, all right, let's do it. Mach 34 came out and I, um, just was like, yeah, I'm thinking about, I, I was going back and forth between this and the Fortis, uh, yeah. just, and mainly because of price point, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, man, I don't know if I need, I've had carbon bows in the past and I didn't really like them. And cause I do kind of like to have a little bit of a heavier bow, but anyway, uh, so before I get uh, too deep into, uh, the details on my bow, um, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, uh, I'll get into the weeds with, uh, with my new setup. We'll be right back.
New for the 2023 archery season is our brand new online arrow customizer. Build your victory or eastern arrows with multiple vein options, configurations, and custom arrow wraps in a large array of designs and colors. Spine indexing and expedited build options are also available so you can get back out in the field and flinging in style. Check out the Vapor Trail Arrow Customizer at www.vaportrailarchery.com forward slash arrow customizer. And we're back. So, Rick, uh, how about you talk about this beautiful green Mach 34? <laughs> Call it the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was my wife that helped me inspire the color because I couldn't decide on what I wanted, and green's mm-hmm. her favorite color. And so uh, that was an easy choice for her when it came to picking um, the color that I wanted. And then... Uh, so yeah, I originally ordered it in 70 pounds with the S2 cam on it. Mm. And then when we were out at the ATA show, I shot it and I was like, Oh boy. Um, just a, it's a more aggressive cam, you know, so it's definitely going to, you know, it's going to give me better speed, but I just couldn't, I don't know. I didn't really feel comfortable with the draw cycle. It was pretty harsh. And so then, uh, my buddy recommended the EC2. So mm-hmm. then um, I made the switch, which kind of delayed the build process on my bow because he had kind of put it on hold until I could shoot him at the ATA show just to make sure. And uh, but eventually, you know, finally got it. And then, you know, a lot of our accessories don't really match that green color. So I I, I actually have like a three color scheme on it. So you've got I've got the VTX bow strings on here. And this is uh, bronze, metallic bronze and silver for the strings and cables and then just so like all my accessories. So I've got the gray DSDs and then I've got the, um, this is actually, uh, is it coyote Brown? Yep. Um, on the gen seven, but it actually matches our bronze string material pretty close. So that, um, that color scheme worked out pretty good. And then, uh, I actually have the fire knock titanium upgrade hardware kit in it. Wow which makes it even lighter. Although I don't know, I've never really been a big proponent of doing that. It's very expensive and it, mm-hmm. and it doesn't, I don't know that it really makes a huge difference. Uh, however, um, Rory really loves the titanium kits and he was like, dude, you got to put one in that bow. And so I was like, he was already ordering a couple sets. So I was like, go ahead and order it. I forgot you did that. Yeah. And I, I don't know kind of, jumping on that um i don't know if you would feel a huge difference with the carbon bow but like when i threw it in on his phase four it felt better Mm. like it was nice it's really nice but yeah like rick said it's it's pretty pricey and the only other downside that i don't like is everything is torx you know what i mean so now i gotta have a torx tool with me also uh but other than that it's really i like the way it looks i like the way the stainless looks on it and I know that it's none of those bolts are going to rust out or anything like that. Cause I'm not the best at, you know, bringing my <laughs> bow in every day, you know, from a hunt, it's like, you forget, you put it in your case, it's wet. And then you come out and your bolts are all rusty and there's not much you can do about it, but just roll with it for the season. So the last thing you're going to do is start ripping your bow apart in the middle of the season. Right. But yeah, exactly. Although I have done that before, which is a huge mistake. Cause every time I've done it, I'm like, I don't know, trying to chase, getting it back to where it was right you know and then you finally just accept the fact that it's not going to shoot the way that it was and you just deal with it and figure it out but 
uh, once I get it dialed, you know, cause how many hours do we put into really getting them dialed in? You know, I start putting shots through it right away and then just kind of dial it in as I go. I like to make sure everything's nice and broken in before I mess around with all that. Uh, right. and in this particular case too, like, I don't know, I did something to my shoulder last year or whatever. And I, and on top of that, I haven't really been shooting a lot either. So when I first got it at 70 pounds and I was shooting it, um, I, you know, shoot maybe, you know, three dozen arrows and then I'm shot. My shoulder is mm. just shot. And I'm also trying to kind of change the way that I draw as well, just because of the way that I've drawn my bow for so many years is probably the result of why my shoulder maybe was hurting. And so trying to get better with that. So I dropped it down to 60 for a while and was just shooting in my backyard at 20 yards, just shooting, 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 you know. Uh, and so probably got 500 arrows through it or something like that before I really started to kind of even tune it, uh, and mess around, got the stokerized, uh, M114 out front, just like Hollywood does, except I've got, mine's kind of the opposite. I've got six ounces out front mm -hmm. and then I've got the, the M18 out back. I just basically took two ounces off of here through here and added one just i don't know it made the balance feel better off the longer axle the axle or what but and probably the different you know weight distrib distribution is different because of the carbon yep but uh but that seemed to balance it out really nicely and so now my bow is kind of not because it was really kicking back oh with all that. yeah and so when it's i know what i thought you're going with when i move that weight then it um, then that helped. I mean, I could have extended it out to maybe a 14 and then that might've changed that a little bit or, or even shortened this up or just got rid of that. But I like to have that offset, uh, you know, to offset the weight on the other side of the bowl from the arrow rest and from the sight. So I like to have that, the ability to swing that out and offset that weight. Right. We've got the, uh, the John Dudley grip on there and, yeah. um, yeah, I, Again, that was another one of those things where it's like I ordered my UltraView uh, release and then I was like, oh, you know what? I should get that grip just so I have it, you know, so I can play around with it. And I really like how it does. It kind of helps me index my hand properly. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's almost it almost acts a little bit like a like a kisser button would or like, you know, to help you anchor uh, your face on the string. It kind of helps with that a little bit. And that's the big reason I really like that. Uh, running the, uh, limb driver gen seven X on there and, uh, run into the top limb and my activation cord is going to the top limb. Reason being is because with this particular bow, the bottom limb adapter, once you get right. it, once you get your center shot figured out, that bottom limb adapter runs into the cable slide or the cable guard. And so that has to be removed. So, um, top limb, which isn't a big deal. Uh, I don't run typically run into any issues anyways. I just like to run to the bottom so that people can see that it's possible. Right. Cause that is a common request from people. I was, yeah. I was just going to ask what is the difference or advantage to top limb versus bottom limb? Cause I know a lot of guys end up asking me. Yeah. And I haven't seen any technical reason for that other than, uh, that some people with certain accessories like quivers and things like that, they get a little nervous about that cord the activation cord kind of running into their quiver or whatever. And, and for, for the folks that don't, um, aren't really familiar with limb driven technology, basically this is a drop away arrow rest and there's an activation cord, uh, that goes up to the limb so that when you draw the bow back and the limb flexes, it allows the spring in the arm of the arrow rest to come up and lift your arrow. 
as opposed to the other way around with like your standard drop away that goes into your cable where it's there um you're basically relying on a spring to pull the rest out of the way mm-hmm. uh and um so in this particular case uh it eliminates that so if you if you do have an issue with that cord you can just quick replace it without any uh you don't need a bow press or anything like that uh you don't have to you know split your cable to get the uh activation cord in there all that kind of stuff so it's a little bit more foolproof right you don't have to cut your cable right yeah and we've had people goof around like an archery talk and and make activation cords out of all kinds of random things like zip ties we had one guy Mm -hmm. like pull off a willow branch off of a tree and use that i mean your boot lace whatever yep i've never ran into any sort of situation like that uh but again uh, the other advantage too is that with the way that this arrow rest functions, it gives you more uh, uh, arrow support throughout the shot cycle. Right. So it's a free floating platform. It's not a solid platform. It, it it kind of floats. So if there's any inconsistency with your arrow or your form or anything like that, the spring that's in that launcher arm will actually kind of correct or mm-hmm. or kind of cradle the arrow. And so that way, it kind of allows the arrow to free float the way that it naturally should and then but it also still adds support throughout a majority of the draw cycle so then that way once it leaves the bow uh, right now you've got we found that it that it gives better downrange accuracy and vapor trail originated limb driven technology that's right so there's a lot of other companies that use it uh, but it started with jared fondy's original design Yep. And then it was adopted by several other companies after a while. In fact, that design was kind of laughed at in the beginning. And then some people, some people started to notice and now look. the advantages and yeah. And so we're, we're doing really well with it. Now we do have a new rest. It's called the integrate mm-hmm. eight and the integrate eight X. And that rest, um, is it has an integrated mounting system on it. And it, and these two bows, well, this bow doesn't have the IMS on it. Correct. IMS stands for integrated mounting system. This bow does, but currently it's one of, it's like one of the only IMS bows that, that our arrow rest does not fit on. Like you can mount it on there, but it ends up being really low. Yep. And so it's really difficult to tune. I know of a few people that said I, I didn't have any problems, but when I look at the center shot, it's or not the, or when I look at the height, it's really low and I'd mm-hmm. be concerned about getting contact here with your shelf. But some people have made it work, uh, but I just choose, you know, we've got other options and, f- you know, for that very reason. So I've chosen to put the 7X on there um, and it was shooting great. Um, I, I haven't, you you had mentioned before about paper tuning and how we're kind of, you know, back when I first started tuning, it, that was kind of gospel, right? Like it was like, yep. if you didn't have a good paper tune, your bow wasn't tuned. And I've kind of come to find out that that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. It's just one metric, right? Right. And it, it's most certainly a good way to kind of understand how the arrows coming out of your bow does not necessarily mean that your arrows are not going to group. Right. You know? And so I was kind of scrambling, right. To get my bow tuned and set up and I didn't have a perfect bullet hole, I guess, like I would like to see. And I should probably play around with bare shaft tuning like you were as well. Um, but you know, I kind of get to the point where it's like, okay, I've done all the simple things to correct that and it hasn't corrected the issue. And so now you, now you got to go down a rabbit hole of, you know, shimming and doing all that kind of stuff, which I, I will do at some point, but 
when I went out on the range and I was, you know, grouping well at 40 and then went out to rapids and I was grouping well at 60, 70 and 80, it's like, okay, it's, 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 it's good. It's good yeah, enough. It's fine. Uh, now it wouldn't be, wouldn't be good enough for me to shoot an animal out to 80 yards. No way. Uh, You're right. But I'm just out shooting at foam. And again, it's more, I guess I, I, I look at it if my point of impact is a little bit off at 80 yards, it's probably me more so right. than it is the bow, but you know, we'll, we'll find out as, as I continue to, um, tinker and mess around with it. Got the, uh, HHA. This is the optimizer light kingpin, which I believe is actually discontinued. I don't yeah, think they the make that one anymore. Tetra series pretty much took over all that. Yeah. And I, I ordered it right before the Tetra came out. Like, I mean, it like maybe a month or two. <laughs> so it was like, Oh man. But either way, uh, it's shooting well for me, you know, and I've thought about switching it up to, to one of the new ones, but it shoots great. I love it. Haven't had a problem. So I just, you know, and that, and, and that speaks volumes to a company too. If, if a product like that can withstand the test of time and you don't have to constantly be buying a new one, I think that says something about the products they make. Right. The big thing that I'll stop and touch on with these, the Kingpin is the thing that got me started thinking about it. My dad had one and, um, me running different arrow setups. Yep. It's amazing because you can, so the Tetra Max Rise, same thing. Um, you can take this dial off. And so this is for my four mil axis right now. When I go to run my FMJs, I take it off, throw it back on. I'm set. Obviously that plays with my <laughs> rest a little bit, uh, switching arrows to that magnitude. Um, well, you can do that on this one too. Right. You're talking the sight tape. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going with. Mm. It's like that one has a, a adjustable sight tape. So you can pop that ring off, you can pop this ring mm, off, yeah. and it's just amazing because if you're running different setups that are still similar to where you don't need to move your rest, you know, yeah. to Egypt and back, you know, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You just take the little dial off, throw the new one on, cool, I'm ready to rock. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my big sell point on that one too. Yeah, and, and the big advantage uh, of yours over mine is, well, maybe there's other options that are bigger too, but that you've got the two pins mm -hmm. and I've only got one. So there is that feature. That's nice. But again, I'm still trying to burn through my Easton injections that are <laughs> eight years old or whatever. Yep. So I, again, I'm just going to keep shooting those. Like I haven't seen a need to change, uh, every bow that I've gone from one to the other. And who knows what this tuning, this slight tuning issue that I'm running into, maybe it will require me to, to go with a new arrow, but We'll see. Um, so since I mentioned it, shooting the uh, Easton Injection 340, and I've got the Dorge um, 6.22, or the not the Dorge, Fire Knock mm -hmm. uh, uh, arrow outsert that I'm using, uh, just because when those arrows first came out, you were uh, yeah. pigeonholed into shooting deep six, six was the only thing. And so I don't know if, you know, maybe people don't, aren't, aren't even familiar with that, but that's when the, when the arrows started to go micro diameter and they were using that hit insert, which is the insert that goes into the shaft. And then nobody was making a broadhead at that time that would fit into that. And so then they started this deep six thing where, uh, companies were making a specific broadhead to fit yep. in there. And I was shooting Grim Reaper at the time and Grim Reaper wasn't making a deep six. Mm. And so, you know, options were using some type of an outsert. And then 
going back to our buddy Glenn, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he was using the arrow outsert from Fireknock, and so he had suggested that, and that's what I went with, and that's what I've been running with ever since. Um, so yeah, but everything's been shooting really good for the most part. Again, still got a little bit of dialing to do. And, uh, you know, there's a, um, titanium archery products makes a roller guard or cable slide that's titanium, but also that can be adjusted in and out just like on some of the older PSEs, not older, but past years, like what last year and the year before some of the both others had a movable, um, uh, roller guard there and this one doesn't so that might help me with some of that might help rectify that so i'm probably going to invest in that and see what i can do about <clears throat> uh, further dialing this bow in so what yeah. are you running for veins right now uh running the aae stealth max oh yeah. right uh yeah. white three inch gotcha and uh yeah i mean i was shooting uh i was using vein tech for a really long time mm-hmm. Then started shooting the Flex Fletch SK2. Again, great veins, you know, yeah. but just always trying to play with new stuff. To be honest, the reason I switched over to the AAE is because we have a branded vein through AAE that's got our Vapor Trail logo on it now, uh, which is pretty cool. So, of course, I want to represent. All and right. they're, they're flying really nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only downside is there's a little bit of added prep work when it comes to fletching because of the, the material. Yeah. But aside from that, uh, they, they all went on nicely. And uh, I had a dozen arrows when I went out to Total Archery Challenge and I came back with eight. And, but like three of them have, no, two of them have like messed up inserts that I'm, or outserts that I'm pretty sure I can pull those off and save mm-hmm. the arrows, but the other ones are completely trash. What, do you go out there <laughs> with nine or? <laughs> Rick doesn't miss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, and I think I talked about this a little bit Yeah, in our previous Shiny Objects, but yeah, I had my sight tape was just slightly off that first day, and it took me about halfway through the first course that we went through to kind of figure that out. And, it, you know, it's one of those things that's really funny too because as long as I've been doing this, you know, I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I'm just trying not to tinker and fiddle around with my equipment too much. I'm just like, it's probably me. I haven't shot a lot this this release is new, you know, so I had a, you know, I just had some arrows that just I had no idea what happened. They just did not hit the target and mm. shattered in the rocks behind. Oops. And then, so as, but as I'm shooting, you know, Matt was paying really close attention to where my point of impact was. And I wasn't really paying much attention. I was just like, oh, great. I hit foam. Sweet. I didn't blow up an arrow, you know? Mm-hmm. And then after a while he goes, well, you know, you've been really consistently hitting kind of low. So, you know, then I started adding a yard and then, yep. and then he was like, yeah, well, and remember when you go out to longer yardages, you have to kind of incrementally yeah. bump that. It's going to change, you know, because, so I was like, D- of course, you know, mm-hmm. what the heck, you know? So then I started adding two yards at some of the longer distances and, um, and everything was going well, but yeah. What, what uh, peep are you running? I honestly can't really tell over here. You got it's just a standard specialty archery peep. Okay. Nothing crazy. I can't remember what the. What's the technical? It's it's a hunter peep. I'm pretty sure it's a three sixteenths. It doesn't have the hood on it or anything like that. Yeah. Um. I do actually have a podium peep. Yeah. You're uh, kind of the one that pushed me toward this one. Yeah. I have a podium peep somewhere, and I was moving it from one bow to another, and then 
I'm not sure what happened to it. And then I remember one day I was like fiddling around in my garage and I found it. What? And and I, now I don't know what I did with it again. I can't. <laughs> Same the laundry machine. I can't find it, you know. So uh, because the one thing I like about that peep is it's it's longer, right? So yeah. if your string is not aligned perfectly, you can't really see through it well. So it makes sure that you've got, because with these, with these, it can be off slightly mm -hmm. um, and, and you can still see through it. Okay. But that will, um, that will change your point of impact, you know, those Correct. shadows and the way that it, it it's kind of strange, but it kind of distorts the image that you're looking at and almost pushes your side housing over. It's unnoticed rights, but yeah. Yeah. You'll start getting some left, right play mm -hmm. going on. So you want to make sure that that peep is coming back straight and that you're kind of seeing through it. It's similar to that concept like uh, Tom Knapp, the the late, great um, Benelli ex say, exhibition that, shooter. shotgun shooter? Yeah, he originally came out with a, uh, with a fiber optic that you put on the rail of your shotgun, and it was a long tube. Mm -hmm. And and it ensured that if you if you weren't lined up, if your eye was not lined up down the rib of the of the barrel, uh, you couldn't see the fiber. Oh. So it's kind of a similar concept, right? Where you just increase that tube a little bit, and then so when you bring it up, it it forces you to make sure that you're seeing the fiber. And if you if you can't see the fiber, then you're not you're not shouldering and you're not down on the rib the way you should be. So I guess that's how I look at it anyways. You know, yeah. It just ensures that everything's perfectly in line. Right. So, and then it's nice too, because now you can, you can put what apertures in the back and then you can put glass in the front. Yeah. Right? You can, and you can put a sunshade on the front if you really need. Um, I don't run that. Uh, you can put the different aperture in there, different uh, verifier, clarifier. And I mean, it's, it's really easy. Mm -hmm. And they, they made it even better than what it was before. So mm -hmm. you got this little tool with it, you know, it's, it's perfect. Like, yeah. And actually PXS is actually toolless. Um, you just screw it in, screw it out. It's got a little notch in it. Yep. That's right. Go. You got a little so, knurled, uh, it's kind of knurled on the outside, right? right. Where you, that's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mine is right there. Um, yeah. Hopefully I can find mine cause I would like to get that back in. But, uh, again, I don't, most of my shooting is going to, this year is going to be pretty close range. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to be taking too many long shots other than just in my backyard, you know, at foam or heading out to, uh, out to bunker, which that just reminded me too. I've got a great idea for a new Friday. Oh boy. And it'll be, it's going to have to be me and you and maybe somebody else will go out to rapids or something and we'll shoot. And we got to do a little filming while we'll Damon come with us behind the camera and we're gonna make some some fries. Fries are coming back. Are we bringing the ninja back? Mm. The ninja archer? <laughs> nope. So I will say this. There's so I came across this page, and it's really funny. It's all golf. Oh yeah. But it it could apply to archery, and so yeah, I I'm like, all right. So I think I know which one you're talking. It's generating about. some really cool ideas in my head that we could. I think we could uh, we could pull it off really well. So yeah. Uh, so that, that's my setup, PSE Mach 34, Hollywood's shooting the prime Nexus 80 pounds. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so those are our setups. If anybody has any questions or anything like that, uh, feel free to reach out and let us know what you think. Or, uh, you know, I don't know, you can razz us a little bit or haze us or, yeah, I don't know, whatever you want to say, but, 
Um, these are the setups that we're using and this is, this is what's working for us right now. So I'll be happy to hear about what you're shooting and why feel free to reach out and let us know. Um, so I've come across, a, a, a interesting topic this week and it's come up a couple times. Actually I have a, uh, an old friend from high school that, um, just got into archery. And so he's been asking me, you know, what, what effective range is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when you're shooting a bow, you know, he was asking me how, what my effective range is, how far I can accurately shoot and what I think is, you know, ethical and all those kinds of things. And so we kind of walked through some of that and he said he's shooting pretty good. His shoulder is pretty rough. So he can, he says he can only shoot like three arrows at a time. Mm. And so then we went down that. I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe think about, you know, lowering your poundage, all that kind of stuff. But he was saying he's grouping, um, you know, like a pop can at like 40 yards. And so I was like, well, that's, I would say that's pretty good. That's a pretty good place to start. Yeah. And uh, so I get the, I get the meat eater uh, newsletter that comes into my email. So, oh, and this actually came from, well, the Wired, Wired to Hunt Weekly. This one was sent out um, by Tony Peterson. And Tony Peterson is I respect him big time. Like I, he's, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he's local. He's from Minnesota, I believe. Mm. Uh, But this, this article um, that was part of the newsletter they sent out says, I won't shoot past 30 yards with my bow. And so that click baited me in because I was like, oh, this will be interesting. I'll be curious to hear about that. Mm -hmm. And it's written by a gentleman by the name of Tony Hansen. And this is, this is in by no, by no means my intention to, slander this or anything i'm just again i'm just like curious because it's bringing up this this topic of what's your effective range or whatever and so he won't shoot past 30 yards and his main thing is just you know you don't know what can happen in you know in between you and that deer you know when they're moving and all that kind of stuff it's different when you're shooting at a stationary uh, object and he goes into he kind of gets into details about you know if your bow is this fast and shooting this far and then the deer can duck your arrow and all those kinds of things and, you know, using some data, you know, if you're, you know, if an arrow is traveling 350 feet per second, first, my first thing in my head was, well, not many arrows travel that fast. 300 grain arrow. <laughs> but then you get into it and he says, most hunting rigs aren't slinging arrows at 350 feet per second. So I'm glad that he said that. But yeah. again, just, he's just using those numbers as an, as an example. And so I respect his, uh, his thoughts on that. You know, I, I totally respect that, that he doesn't want to shoot that. Uh, anything over 30 and again it's what are the conditions you're shooting in what are you hunting you know what i mean if if you're in a tree stand and you're hunting in the big woods i mean yeah you know right. when you go out west and that changes a little bit what is what are your thoughts as far as like what's your effective range and then what do you i mean overall what do you how do you feel about that yeah i guess like that was going to be my number one thing is just you know if you're hunting like you said already the the big woods with whitetail on average, at least in Minnesota here, where we're hunting, unless you have like a, a food plot or, you know, even like hunting on the edge of a farm, mm-hmm. you're not really going to get a shot at a deer more than I, it might be a stretch to say 50 yards. Mm-hmm. I know there's some parts of my property where I can do 50, but mm-hmm. for the most part, it's 40 or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and isn't there an average out there anyway of, you know, most whitetail are killed at like 18 yards or, you know. 20-ish yards, it's usually 20 yards or under anyway. I would just say probably a majority of bow hunters aren't shooting out to long distances, mostly probably because they 
don't have the time or have the wherewithal to practice out that far, you know, and, and again, it's a comfort thing, just like he said. So, so I feel like I'm kind of on the more controversial side, but I feel like nowadays it's a little less controversial, Mm -hmm. um, just because the efficiencies of arrows, bows, you know, everything else. Um, I feel like our effective ranges are getting farther. Um, but I feel like effective range is also a loose term where, um, you know, you're, you were talking earlier where you're not going to be making as farther as far of shots as if you're going out West and where South Dakota, I'm like, if it's 80 yards, I'm going for it. Um, but that's me because like Rick was saying, I do practice though, you know, 80 yards or further Mm -hmm. consistently. Well, asterisk, not this year, (laughs) not yet, Mm -hmm. but, um, I still have two months to do that. But if you're practicing that much and you are, you know, stacking arrows and then I think effective range also comes to your confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're not actually confident that you can always group that arrow or always hit that spot. Mm Mm-hmm and you're not effective. Yeah. Another part of the effective range for me is looking at what's the kinetic energy you're going to have at that distance where that wired to hunt, you know, that might be something he was saying in there too, where, you know, I'm looking at, okay, if I'm shooting this far, how much energy am I actually going to have? Where like this thing with my setup, I'm running, I think it's 91.6, you know, kinetic, um, like foot pounds. So I'm pretty confident with anything there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna, and that's running, about 293, 295. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel just fine shooting, you know, maybe not a whitetail mm-hmm. at 80 yards, but like last year with muleys is really my first experience being that close. And they are a little, I won't say a lot bigger, but in my eyes, when I'm grouping and practicing a lot at 80, you know, that hard on that mule deer just seems like the size of a, you know, watermelon. Yeah. I'm like, holy cow, yeah. like this, I, could shoot that 80 yards no problem Mm. um so i think it comes back to the shooter ultimately but and i'd say also your setup if you're you're shooting like 60 pounds and 26 inches Mm -hmm. i'm not going to recommend anyone shooting past you know maybe 60 will have enough kinetic um but i guess i'd want to break it down to that level Mm -hmm. and then also see okay how well are you actually shooting yeah you know and i i say i wouldn't do it on a whitetail either just because at least like it almost seems like whitetail are just like they have that sixth sense where they're always jumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, where like the mule deer at 80 yards, if you got the wind right and everything else, and they're just grazing, dude, they're clueless. And I mean, you you have a story about that too, where it's like if it doesn't know you're there, you can send it. But mm-hmm. if you're talking like the rut, I'm probably going to be on more times than not looking at 30 yards or less. I mean, again, I don't have all those shots in my woods and then if you're doing city hunts, obviously you're not going to be shooting that far anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, I don't know, it's for me, it comes down to a lot of confidence and what is your setup to yeah. make an effective shot or an effective range, mm-hmm. you know, and then you, you're talking like uh, morals and ethics and that sort of thing. But that's where I say, I feel it's less controversial these days. I feel like ethics isn't out the window, but the setups are pretty damn, you know, effective these mm-hmm. days where they're, they're efficient, yeah. you know, where I'm not too worried. Now, if you're starting to play with mechanical stuff, yeah, you might want to know about mechanical broadheads, but that's, again, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's comes back to the bow setup. And if you're running a fixed blade, don't have to worry about opening up. Right. You know, it's just going to go through unless, of course, then you run out of energy to actually punch through a rib 
and I'm also saying this, I'm not going for a shoulder. Hmm. You know, of course things can happen. And if you're talking effectiveness at 90 yards with a shoulder, hmm, you might be pushing your luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I'm talking like perfect, like lung shot, like double lungs or heart quartering away, something where you can definitely zip in there, maybe break a rib or bounce off your rib and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, not, no shoulder shots here. Yeah. I'm not running a 700 grain arrow. <laughs> yeah. Y'all know what I mean. Yeah. It's <laughs> well said. And I like what you said about, it was kind of the answer I was looking for when I asked you why 80 pounds, because when, you know, you can still shoot, some people might say, well, you increase your poundage. Like if you're going out West, you know, you're gonna have a flatter shooting arrow. Maybe it just mm-hmm. depends. Cause now you're increasing your poundage, you're increasing your arrow weight. Uh, but again, if you're, if you're 90 foot pounds of kinetic energy coming out of the bow at those further distances, you're, you're going to have more kinetic energy getting out right. distant. Like you were saying, it's, it's effective range. Again, this is, this is why I'm saying this because it's, it is subjective you know, everybody's has their own version of it. Right. And, and, uh, you know, this Tony Hansen here even says, yeah, he's like, I wouldn't consider myself an above average shot with a bow at a distance of 30 yards or less. I'm not in complete control of where the arrow impacts the deer. Should I decide to move? And so again, what's the setup? What are you shooting? What are you practicing? I mean, he's also shooting a QAD here too. So that's a problem. For distance shooters. <laughs> no, he's right-handed. He's shooting Good. a Nexus, though, here in the picture. Oh, nice. Uh, and I guess I can't assume that that's Tony Hansen. I guess it could be just some stock footage or something. But, you know, again, so I, I kind of want to go back to, and this is in favor of this article because we talked about this before when I shot that mule deer at 92 yards. Mm-hmm. And um, I was shooting a lot. I was 20, I was in my, well, I was, I was in my third young, early thirties and shooting a ton, practicing a lot, you know, and even then I was still like, I don't know about that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then my buddy says, dude, you, you can do it. You know, it's like, okay, well, if I, most likely if I, if I don't, it's either I'm going to hit it and kill it or I'm going to miss clean. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's, uh, so I just was like kind of telling myself that in my head, but then I just had to get out of that frame of mind and just go, okay, I'm killing this thing right Winner now. Winner attitude. Uh, and, and it happened, but you know, the thing is, is so then I kind of got a little complacent, you know what I mean? It, it really boosted my confidence, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I, and, and I'm only really talking about this a lot now. Cause I just, you know, even then when I, had it mounted and I brought it up to the archery club, uh, over at Chillicoot. I was a member there at that time. And, and some of the, uh, some of the old school members, you know, were asking questions. Oh, that's great. You know, and had a couple of them kind of, you know, frown about the distance that I shot at it, you know, and, and I get that, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's so many factors, right. Just like you're saying, I mean, just the slightest little thing, push my arrow, over and now I'm going hitting shoulder or skipping it off the back or something like that. Right. So ethically, yeah, I mean, I, no way would I take that shot now, no chance. Mm-hmm. And, but I think, you know, as you kind of gain more experience and as you get better at stocking, now it's less about 
how far can I shoot it, but how close can I get? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so when your skills start to get better in that area, there's so much more satisfaction in getting close right? and, you know, drilling them at 20 yards or 15 yards or, right. you know, whatever it may be. So because I had since then, uh, well, actually I think it was the year before I, I, sh- I killed that buck. I wounded one at like 60 Mm-hmm. something we didn't find it looked for a couple of days didn't find it went back in the spring to try find it still nothing and then uh i think it might have been maybe a year or two after i shot another mule deer buck and wounded that one and never found it and so then now going back to the whole thing we were talking about with shot iq and everything like that too like i don't ever want to do that again mm-hmm. and since those two incidents had happened, uh, I, I've got a pretty good track record. Um, just making sure that I'm comfortable with the shot. It's not about what is my effective. I I mean, I need to know what my effective range is for that particular season, but then now I'm like, okay, I know I need to get closer or I know that whitetail is not going to come in on the trail that I want. And so I just, I just have to wait it out, you know, Mm -hmm. just have to wait for it to get closer, you know, cause the shot, even if it presented itself, you know, you just, especially when you're in the deep woods up here, man, you don't, you can't see all the t- uh, st- sticks and twigs and yeah, I'm trying to say a combination of sticks and twigs. So <laughs> tigs, um, the ticks, you know, it's just, <clears throat> it's not going to work. And as I was reading through this article, then I get to the bottom and then there's another one. There's one that Tony wrote and it says, how far is too far to shoot a deer with a bow? So again, same thing going into that what's, what's too far and, you know, all those kinds of things. And I, I, again, I guess it's, it's all relative to your ability, but then you also, a lot of people, what they don't think about is, I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've run into like in the Metro hunts where a guy will wound a deer mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, asking them questions like, okay, what's your setup? What broadhead are you using? What, you know, this, that, uh, and you come to find out that they don't even practice with their broadheads ever. Yeah. You know, and you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Did you just say you've never practiced with your broadheads? So, again, for the people that are listening, very important, practice with your broadheads. Because we started actually for these hunts, we started doing a broadhead test. That was probably the best thing to ever come about. And you'd be surprised how many people don't pass (laughs) the first time around. Right. You know, and it's, and we're shooting elevated from an elevated platform at 20 yards. Mm -hmm. And it's, and guys are in like, half a foot off six inches, eight inches missing completely, you know? Uh, so, you know, that, that's a very important factor that people are practicing with those. That's, so that's one big thing, you know? And again, nobody really, I don't think he says it in here, but I've always told guys this too. Like if you feel like your effective range is 40, you should practice out to 60, right? Or if you plan on taking 60 yard shots, you should practice out to 80 or more just yep. because I'm a firm believer in the aim small, miss small. Yep. The smaller that target is, the the tighter you need to hold. And the more you practice at those distances, the better you're going to get. Right. Naturally. Right. Up here, I, I guess I've had customers I've talked to before as well, where, you know, I ask them kind of in the same way, you know, what's your max shot you're taking and you know, or what's the farthest you can shoot 30. I almost just say double it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. shoot 60 then, yeah. a bunch. Because that 30-yard shot, if you think, you know, that's going to be your, fur- your furthest shot, that thing's going to look just huge. You know, that target's going to look huge to you where it's like, oh, confidence is through the roof. I've been shooting 60 all summer. And even if you're shooting 80 and you, the farthest you can shoot is 30 or even 20, oh, my God, should be a crack shot. But chip you know, shot is what you like, what we like to call it. You know, it makes those shots a chip shot, right? Right. So. And <laughs> of course, buck fever might throw some people off, but yeah, it does. You know, it's just I always I always say the same thing. It's like, what's your farthest and double it? But obviously, it's pretty hard to find 140 yards. So <laughs> for me, I'm not shooting that far. I think my sight tape goes out to 135. Um, it does have 140, but there's no way with my fletchings i'm gonna be shooting my sight housing so mm-hmm. um and i wouldn't shoot that far anyway yeah no question i'm not shooting a, a deer and going yeah i'll just send it no i'm gonna try and actually stock it mm-hmm. and then you know i should also clarify i'm not shooting you know across the valley either yeah let's be smart about that <laughs> one so <laughs> you know you get some wind drift in there you're talking about that and i actually did look up uh kinetic energy what it takes for you know deer and they say as low as 25 foot pounds up yeah. to 41 but let's call it 45 just to be safe mm-hmm. and then elk 42 to 65 and big game uh so like cape buffalo they say 65 foot pounds and this thing's shoving 91 92 mm-hmm. so it's like yeah i'm pretty confident out further mm-hmm. along with my practice i guess mm-hmm. you know it's a whole bunch of things and something that the listeners should know too is when you're saying it's 90 foot pounds of kinetic energy now that's coming out of the bow or wherever the chronograph was that you right that your arrow went that's through. only at x distance yeah. and that's why i'm saying like yeah. you know if you're at 80 yards you should also try and find i think uh pinwheel i thought i had it saved and i tried pulling it up it i didn't save it but i think pinwheel will actually tell you um your kinetic energy at x amount mm-hmm. of yards and so that's why you know that's part of knowledge and learning this sport of mm-hmm. like you know grow your knowledge to boost your confidence and that would be part of it know your kinetic energy at what you're confident at yeah you know, if mm-hmm. you're confident at 40 yards, know that you're still going to be able to get through it yeah. whenever you're shooting. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you're just wounding animals and that is not ethical. So yeah. don't do that. Yeah, you can definitely, um, you know, there's mathematically figure out what your kinetic energy is going to be out at that distance. Because it's basically just a parabola, right? Right. Your arrow flight. Yep. And based on speed and all those kinds of things, you can plug that information in and you can find, I mean, it's probably not going to be exact, but it'll, you know, I'm sure it'll be within, you know, a couple foot pounds and that's all right. you really need to know. Right. As long as it's at that 30 foot pounds for a deer, you know, you're going to blow past it as long as your, your point of impact is obviously very important. You know what I mean? You hit right. it right in the shoulder and you're like SOL, but yeah. Um, you know, if you put the arrow where it needs to be, it doesn't take much to get through there. Mm-mm. With a good sharp broadhead, I can tell you, ninety foot pounds goes through turkey pretty easy. <laughs> you find that arrow about thirty yards away, yeah. stuck in the dirt. Yeah, whoopsies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just thought that that was kind of a, kind of a cool topic to discuss. Um, since I saw this article just came into my uh, inbox today, and then was talking to that old friend of mine about um, you know effective range and. And yeah, so, I mean, you know, for me, I don't know if I got into that, but yeah, for me right now with as little as I've been practicing all that kind of stuff, you know, I, I'm 50 yards is probably going to be my max and that's got to be like perfect conditions wind, no wind, wide open shot. I can't be shooting through any brush, none of that. And like you said, of the spots that I hunt, 
uh, I'm not really, I don't have too many opportunities over 40 yards. Right. And I don't really like that 40 yard range anyways. Uh, you another one of those guys that struggle, well not struggle, but 40 is a weird one. Yeah. Because I've, uh, I've shot at a few deer in that 40 yard range and it seems like it's close enough for them to hear your arrow, but far enough away for them to move. Oh yeah. Definitely. I mean, you know, they they can always move. I mean, even at 20 yards, there's no arrow on the market that can, that can beat them ducking. You know what I mean? You, you know, you're still, your point of, you might still hit the deer, but it's your point of impact is going to be drastically different than where you were aiming. You know, so he right. even says here in this article that oftentimes he'll aim a little low to compensate for that. Yep. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like to go, Meh. I don't like to stop the deer because it get, puts them on alert. Alert. And so I like to, if I possibly can, just wait for them to stop. Right. And sometimes you can't, but I mean, man, if they're moving slow enough, I mean, you, you know, you can lead a tiny bit. And, and what I'm talking is I'm talking like feeding, taking a step, feeding, oh, right. taking a step. I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to do the old meh thing because again boom head comes up and now they're looking in your direction i don't want that i don't want them to know that i'm there at all you know so the buck i shot in 2019 i mean i was lucky enough for him to he came into the snortwees and literally came to the base of my tree and then was like kind of going around the base of my tree and then he just stopped and then just stood there yep forever and i'm like and and he was on my right side which isn't my shooting side so i had to kind of pivot around to get over there but i had all, you know, I had plenty of time to quietly swing my body around and get into position and, and nail him once. And then he took two leaps and, uh, was still about the same distance. It was only 15 yards. Jeez. And, um, and he's just standing there and I'm like, and I can see blood dripping a little bit, but I just was like, okay, it'd be really silly for me not to lace him again. I mean, I, I may know. as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm a hundred percent a believer in that one. If you got a follow up shot with a bow. I'm doing it. Yeah. And if you can get away with it, I mean, I'm like sitting there moving, I'm pulling my arrow out, yeah. getting it knocked, draw back again, you know, plenty of time, just bury the pin, you mm-hmm. know, pull it off. Second arrow went through him and he just tore out of there, Yep. you know? So, um, and then he got in the woods, piled up and died with his head, tang- his antlers tangled in some vines. So it was right. like, we thought he was still alive. We're like, we tracked him an hour later and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's still alive. Or Glenn was like, he's still alive, dude. His head's still up. Yeah. Like what? So we <laughs> waited forever. And then finally it's just like, all right, I'm going to come in from the backside and then we'll see what happens. And then I, I'm like, he's not moving at all. I'm getting closer and closer. I'm like 20 yards away, still not moving. 15 yards away, still not moving. I'm like, he's, he's got to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I should also yeah. me- make a quick mention. People should know they're like close yardage. Yeah, I was like, just thinking back on all the deer I've shot, and I'm like, well, I had that that one buck I shot seven yards. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had some close encounters where I'm like, <laughs> dude, I, I mean, luckily there I had a three pin, and I just ended up <laughs> pretty much just use all three pins at that yeah. point when he's seven yards away. Like, okay, just get yeah, away with it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he was done in forty yards, but. <laughs> Yeah. People should know they're close distance too. If you're going to be doing spot and stock, like I usually mm-hmm. do, you might get in there tight. Yeah. A lot of people might not realize this, but typically your, your close, close range shots, like under 10 yards are going to be somewhere around like your 30 or 40 yard pin actually. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that being is because your arrow is below your sight. 
Yep. And so it doesn't have that opportunity to kind of meet up with your yeah, sight pin and within that parabola. So right. your arrow is actually going to hit lower than your pin. So you got to pull the, at the Vapor up. Trail Pro Shop during our 3D leagues. Yeah. We might do some of those shots. We might. I may have already done those. <laughs> that was fun, though. A lot of people wrecked their arrows with it. So, so. They do those in Redding at the Western Trail Shoot. It's like yeah. they have like nine like butterflies mm-hmm. on the on the bale, and you're like four yards away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. use your fifty. Yeah. It's crazy how many Depends people on your bow. miss, and they're just <laughs> like they hit super low, and they're like, "What the heck happened?" And you're like, well, "Dial your sight down." Now you know. Yeah. So yeah, what else? What else do we got? Is that it? I think that. That would probably be it. I, I really don't know. There's really anything else I could go further. I mean, we could talk about what glue we're using for crying out loud, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if people care about that. No, I don't um, think so. Please let us so. know if you do. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you we'll find talk about it. Superior. So, um, yeah, I guess this this is it here for our my bow setup. All right. Well, folks, you can find us at the Range Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Head over and uh, give us a follow. You can find me at ricky.wayne80 on Instagram and rickywbruley on Facebook. And uh, where can the folks find you, Hollywood? Ivy 3 on Instagram. I think I even have a threads if that's already or still going. Uh, I think it died already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Facebook, Jake Hollywood Iverson. Um, and that's it for my socials. But, again... Please be sure to check out our YouTube channel, uh, Vapor Trail Archery, correct? Yep. Uh, if you like the video, hit a thumbs up. Hit a thumbs up anyway. Like, subscribe, all that fancy stuff. Uh, if you like all things archery, we do it. And with that, we're packing up our bows. We're hitting the range. Peace. See ya. Have a great day, everybody. Vapor Trail is now offering an exclusive discount to the Range Podcast listeners. Enter promo code TRP15, that's T-R-P-15, at checkout for 15% off VTX bowstrings and Vapor Trail and Stokerize branded t-shirts, hats, and other gear. Heard it. Nice shot. Oh, what in the hell went flying? I think he cut the tube at the bottom.